chapel experiences here years ago. And I tell you, Brother Ian, thank you for inviting me. And uh, I am a son of Mississippi, for sure. And I guess I have to say I'm a son of Mississippi Baptist. Um, uh, growing up at Tate Street Baptist Church in Corinth and serving churches here in Mississippi. And I do have quite a little audience here. Debbie's here and Ian's here. And I've got a heckler uh, <laughs> that over here. Jim Futrell is here. And uh, my former pastor. I, I shouldn't say former pastor. He's still my pastor. I, I call him every once in a while and say, help me get out of this mess. But, uh, but anyway, it's a thrill to be with you guys today. If you're like me, you uh, love song stories. I, I love song stories. We like to hear the stories of how a song was written. and Some of those songs you know really well and you've sung them a lot. Uh, you probably know the song story of this one, or maybe you don't, but you certainly know, Oh Lord my God. When I, in awesome wonder, consider all the world's lands and made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. And we've loved that hymn for a long, long time. We love to sing it. And on a blustery, stormy kind of day, we're thinking about how the greatness of God and how His power transcends everything that we see. You may not know that that song actually comes to us from George Beverly Shea. Now, he didn't write it, but he did discover it. He was leading a crusade in, in England, and a Billy Graham crusade, and there was a pastor from the, the highways and byways of the rural parts of the UK there in England who came to Bev Shea during the crusade and showed him a song he had written, and that song was How Great Thou Art. Bev Shea was so taken back by it that he went to the crusade that night and sang How Great Thou Art at the Billy Graham Crusade in London that night and then sang it for every night of the remaining time of the crusade. And by the time he got back to America, the song had crossed the ocean and it started being sung all over the world, How Great Thou Art. And we still sing it to this day. Maybe another hymn story that you know and love uh, like me is the great story behind It Is Well With My Soul. Uh, Horatio Spafford, the writer of that, was at home, his daughters and wife making a transatlantic journey and having a tragic shipwreck that eventually would take the lives of his daughters. His wife arrives at the destination to send a cable back, arrived alone, and the great Horatio Spafford got on the next ship crossing the ocean, and when they got to that part where the shipwreck that had taken the lives of his children had happened, he penned the words, it is well with my soul. And we still sing that, and we're moved every time we think about that story, and we all bring our own story to a great hymn like that. Perhaps my favorite song story of all, I, I love this, around a Christmas carol, a young priest facing uh, a Christmas Eve service and a deep snow had hit that area of Germany and 
The snow had broken through the roof of the little cottage church. It had fallen on to the pump organ that accompanied the carols, and the organ was rendered useless to play. And this young pastor who had a guitar in his study goes and gets his guitar, pulls out a poem that a friend of his had sent to him, and he sings Silent Night for the very first time. And of course, we sing it every year and remember how God took that song story and from it came a song that changed all of us that we still love to sing. Well, there's a song story in the scripture that I want to show, point out to you that maybe you've missed because in the song itself, you don't really see the story, but I'm going to quickly read the song to you, tell you a little bit about the story, and then close with a song uh, that the Lord gave me based on the psalm that I'm going to share. You probably know Psalm 42. It's one of our favorites. It's the one that uh, that beautiful worship song, As the Deer, uh, comes from uh, the text of Psalm 42. Um, and here's what the first part of the psalm says. It says, As a deer longs for flowing streams, so I long for you, God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while all day long people say to me, Where is your God? I remember this as I pour out my heart, how I walked with many, leading the festive procession to the house of God with joyful and thankful shouts. Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise Him, my Savior and my God. Now the psalm that I read from, that's the first five verses of it, it actually repeats the re refrain that we've just read a little bit later in the psalm. The superscription of this psalm credits the writing of it to the sons of Korah. Well, you'd say, well, why would that be interesting? Well, if you study the story of Korah, you might think the sons of Korah would never write Psalm 42. The song story doesn't seem to fit. You can go back to Numbers chapter 16 and you can read the story of Korah Korah was the chief musician. He was the leader of worship in the temple. And Korah, along with a few other individuals that are named in the first few verses of chapter 16 of the book of Numbers, tells the story of how Korah and two or three others, the son of Reuben, some of them, they were, they were blue bloods in temple life, in Israel's life, in Jude, the, the Jews. These were some of the most influential, important families of God's covenant people that Moses was leading, Moses and Aaron leading. And Korah and his colleagues had the distinct responsibility and opportunity to lead the song of worship, to lead the worship of God's people. And in number 16, we have the sad, tragic story of Korah deciding that wasn't enough for him. And he actually organized a rebellion. And the writer would tell us that over 250 people became involved in this rebellion against Moses and Aaron. And they actually approach Moses and they say, Moses, basically they say, why do you get to do this? Why do you get to appear before God and talk to God while we only get to do what we do? And they begin to challenge Moses and his leadership. It was an awful scene. The Bible tells us that Moses was so brokenhearted over the challenge that Korah and his colleagues brought to him that day that he actually fell face down uh, in the ashes to repent and to cry out to God. He was brokenhearted over this rebellion that Korah began to organize there in number 16. The Lord puts it in 
Moses' heart to go back to Korah and say to him, the Lord wants to meet with you. <coughs> Basically, Moses issues a summons to Korah. Get all your guys together and let's appear before God and let God settle this matter. The story gets sadder and sadder because when you hear it all unfold, they appear before God and God brings judgment against Korah and against the men that had organized with him and against the 250 and the Bible tells us against their families. The, world, the earth opened up and all these rebellious people fall into it and they're destroyed. And it so upset them that they came back and the people got angry with Moses because they blamed the deaths of Korah those with them and the families that were affected by God's judgment, they blamed Moses for it. And they began to speak out against Moses and God was angered by the response of people. And He brought a plague against them. And Moses calls Aaron in and says, Aaron, start praying now. And they began to intercede on behalf of the people. But before God releases the plague, His judgment against this rebellion that Korah had started, over 14,000 people died because of Korah's rebellion. What's that got to do with Psalm 42? Well, the sons of Korah wrote it. As a matter of fact, later in God's Word, we have the census that's taken, and there's a little sentence in the middle of this Scripture reference of the census that says that they were all destroyed that day of Korah's rebellion except one small group of people. The sons of Korah were spared. The judgment that God brought against this rebellion now go back and look at Psalm 42 again. The sons, the descendants of the man who organized an all-out rebellion are the writers of Psalm 42. And I have a feeling that the lesson they learned from their father's mistake is the song story behind the psalm we read. It points back to the question that Moses asked Korah. I didn't mention it yet. I was saving it for this part. Because it's a question I think God might ask of us. Here we are by Zoom, gathered together to pray, to look at God's Word, to sing. We're feeling the effects of pandemic that go way beyond us. We have the effect of a hurricane that's approaching the Gulf, South Gulf just to our sister state. And the, the, the disruption of life, the political turmoil, the, the riots in Wisconsin, the, the, the political vitriol that seems to consume the public dialogue today. We're in this time of great tension. We're in this place where ministry is compromised. We don't get to have choir practice right now. We don't get to gather together and worship without masks and without distancing and all of the challenges that we're facing. And we could be very, very prone to come into a place of just dissatisfaction and disgruntled and what are we going to do? We could actually get the attitude that Korah had pretty easily. Moses asked Korah a question in number 16 that I want to point to us today. He said, Korah, is it not enough for you that you get to lead the festive procession of praise before God every day? Moses says to Korah, Korah, why are you dissatisfied right now? Why are you disenchanted with what your responsibilities are? And the slippery slope of discontent that Korah found himself on 
led to an all-out rebellion that would cost the lives of thousands and thousands of people. That slippery slope of dissatisfaction and discontent and a, a rebellion against what God has given us to do, even in a challenge like we have today. That slippery slope of discontent. Well, the sons of Korah give us the solution for the attitude that Korah demonstrated in number 16. They learned something about what happened here. I want to read those six verses again. And I want you to put this now in the voice of the sons of Korah, who evidently was paying attention when this scene unfolded in their forefathers' life. Listen to what they said. As the deer longs for flowing streams, so I long for you, God. I thirst for you, the living God. When can I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While all day long people say to me, where is your God? I remember this as I pour out my heart, something Korah had forgotten. How I walked with many, leading the festive procession to the house of God with joyful and thankful hearts. Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? And it's almost like they're reaching back to the 16th chapter of Numbers and saying something to Korah that they weren't able to say to him on that day. Put your hope in God. For I will still praise Him, my Savior and my God. The remedy for the slippery slope of discontent that their father had demonstrated is putting our hope in God. The remedy for us today as we face a pandemic that we can't control, as we encounter ministry challenges, there was no classes in seminary about what to do during a pandemic. And we don't have the folder file to pull out of what we did last time either. We can get so discontent and dejected and depressed and discouraged. And I think the song story of Psalm 42 helps us. Put your hope in God. Why are you so downcast? Why are you so dejected? Put your hope in Him. Yet I will still praise Him. He is still God. I don't have to live in this spirit of disruption and discontent. I don't have to wallow in that. I can aspire to put my hope in God. Psalm 42 is a great song story about how hope in God can replace and displace the dejection and disenchantment and dissatisfaction with the status quo. I want to close by singing a song for you, and I'll give you a brief background of this song story. It was a song I wrote several years ago, inspired by a testimony of a young lady in the church where I served, Brentwood Baptist Church. She had given a testimony by video in one of our worship services of walking through the hardship of having a husband that walked out on her and two young children, and while she was expecting their third. And she realized when she found herself alone and, and about to give birth maybe just a few weeks later as her husband has now exited and, and, and walked out, 
she realized that her hope and her joy in her life had been built around building the perfect family. She wanted the perfect family, the perfect husband, to be the perfect mother and have the perfect children and to have this Christian experience that she had built into her mind and her hope for meaning in life had been built around building that home. And now that home has disintegrated right before her very eyes. She realized in that broken state that she had been let down by where her hope had been placed. She realized the only place she could put it, just like the sons of Korah tell us in Psalm 42, was to put it in Him. She actually said this in the testimony. She said, I would have never chosen the road that I had to walk down. But I wouldn't trade anything for the hope that I have in Christ today that losing everything brought me to the place of finding. So with the inspiration of that story and with the great Psalm 42, I went home that Sunday afternoon and put these words down and they turned into a song. This is her testimony. Her name is Sarah. I think of her every time I sing this song. I've seen her many times through the years since it was written. And I can tell you the joy that God put in, in her life uh, through this experience is still there and still shining bright. I would not have chosen the road I have been down that left me so broken I couldn't see. But just when I gave up, He called my name out and said that He was not finished started with one step in front of the other as I learned to trust him without giving up that he had a purpose for each disappointment I look back and know that he is enough so I've put my hope in all of my hope in God when I don't understand all of his plans I look to him and I dream again I've placed my trust in him and now I am sure of Whatever the path, His promise will last. I've put my hope in God. Sometime today, go back and read Psalm 42 again. And be reminded again, the only place our hope can stand is in Him. Let me pray for us. Hope you have a great day today. Lord Jesus, we thank You for the lessons that You have chronicled for us in Your Word. We read one like this and it reminds us again that our only chance for hope is when we place it all on You. Forgive us, Lord, for those times in our life when we become disoriented by our circumstances, by what we perceive are slights or neglect of others. Maybe we don't feel like sometimes we have what we deserve. Maybe we feel like we're in the wrong place and doing the wrong thing and we feel like we're underappreciated. 
we don't have the opportunities that we think we should have. Help us to learn the lesson that the sons of Korah learned. And help us, Lord, to put our hope in you. That you can take every one of the disappointments and every one of the turns and twists and circumstances and hardships that we face and you can teach us something about yourself. And help us put our hope in you. The only place that we know where it will never be disappointed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for loving us, for giving us the grace for the moments. We trust you with all of the work that you put in our hearts and our hands to do. As we face challenges that none of us really know how to answer. I pray that we won't put our hope in our ingenuity. We won't put our hope in some kind of vaccine or some kind of strategy that we could somehow uncover. We'll work on all of those things as you give us the wisdom to do so. But we don't want to put our hope in that. Today, we want to learn the lesson of the sons of Korah. We want to put our hope in you. Thank you that we can trust you. We pray in Jesus' name.